Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. I don't often quote the Chinese philosopher Confucius, but today I'm going to start by quoting him because he said a lot of very interesting and valuable things. And Confucius once said this, He said, in a country well-governed, poverty is something to be ashamed of. In a country badly governed, wealth is something to be ashamed of. Isn't that interesting? And how many of you know South Africa currently, sorry, the facts are, it's badly governed. And wealth is something that many people are ashamed of. We hear about inequality, we hear how difficult the times are, we we talk a lot about the poor, and the Rivers Foundation does a lot for the poor, but you can begin to feel guilty about having money or wealth or aspiring to improve your lot in life. And even Christians, we've noticed online a lot of attacks, uh, not, not at us, but to many churches, if you preach about prosperity and blessing, you're considered a prosperity church, as though 1 Timothy chapter 6, you're preaching for gain. No, we're preaching the character of God. And you can't believe for something if you feel guilty about it. And you shouldn't feel ashamed of blessing and prosperity. Money is a powerful thing. Not only can it lift your life, it can lift the lives of others. And uh, when you have money, you can buy property. You can look after your family. You can buy education. You can buy clothing. You can buy shelter. You can buy warmth. And you can help others. But when you're in poverty... It's weakness, it's a place of despair. So why would we we anti, why would we criticize something like blessing and prosperity? I want to speak to you today on trusting the God of blessing and prosperity. Because the God we serve is one of blessing and prosperity. What did God bless Abraham with? He blessed him with land and possessions. Jesus endorsed that kind of blessing. He used parables of the man of the vineyard who had an abundance. He had so much he had to get extra workers and he was able to pay them. Jesus endorses business, not socialism, and blessing and increase in the lives of those who work hard. The Bible is full of rewards. Have you noticed it doesn't say give so that you can be a good person? It says give and your Father in heaven will reward you. And so it's not with this intention that you give so you can be a community-minded person. The Bible says if you give, the God of heaven who is a giver will reward you with blessing and prosperity. Why am I speaking about this today? So I can get you to give to our church? No, so that I can get you to believe for more and for your needs to be met because of what we're going through. Despite what we're going through, God is a God of blessing and prosperity and you need to believe for rewards and for blessing and not listen to the negativity that is coming out. There's this relentless guilt that's being put on people who accomplish. And if you achieve anything, you've been made to feel guilty. That's a Marxist philosophy. A man who says he's for the worker who never was a worker one day in his life. And we need to remember where these thoughts come from. They're not biblical. We need to go back to the Bible. Jesus' teaching on wealth is difficult to the political analysts' teaching on wealth. And if you follow that thread, you will stay in poverty. Don't attack the 1%, become the 1%. And I love what uh, Rush Limbo, he's a, a conservative, was a conservative radio host, he's passed away. He said, everybody in politics claims to want to get everybody out of poverty. 
What's the opposite? Wealth. And that's what's criticized by them, wealth. Isn't that interesting? We want to get you out of poverty, but what's the opposite of poverty? Wealth. But you're criticizing wealth. So how can you get something that you criticize? You've got to go to the Bible and see God's promises. You've got to see the Bible's promises. That blessing is often associated, in fact, mostly associated with the material. And we need to believe for material blessings. Poverty, without exception in the Bible, is a curse or it's punishment. Don't forget that. It's not noble. And many Christians say this. Can I, can I just interject you because you're saying, oh, I can see where this is going today. No, no, no. Don't have this philosophy as a Christian. You know, I just want enough. No, no, you're selfish. Enough is just good enough for you. We need to have enough to meet the needs of our family because state aid is not biblical. State aid is not biblical. Thank God the government can't help poor people. We're supposed to be industrious. We're supposed to believe God for blessing and prosperity, help ourselves and help others. Are you with me? And so let's not look at poverty as something noble. It's always a curse in the Bible or punishment. And God blessed Abraham and promised him blessing, and the man was abundantly wealthy. And this is what the Lord said. I don't have time to read it. In Genesis chapter 12, it says, I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. Oh, man, I want to be blessed. But I want to be able to bless others. It's wonderful when your kids have needs, and you can bless them. People around you have need, and you can bless them. And you can help others. You can be a channel. And if we are not blessed, we can't be a blessing. And so today, let me just say, my motive is not to raise money for Rivers Church. My motive is not to get money for us. My motive is to get money to you and through you for the sake of God's blessing. Even though you've been through difficult times, through COVID, we need to believe for blessing and prosperity today. Now, let me remind you here of Israel's journey, just before we get into the full body of the message, and I've got a lot to say that I'm going to go through it quickly. When we think of Israel in Egypt, you think of the God of not enough. They were slaves, and the God of not enough, Satan, had them captive. So if you're in poverty, you're captive to the God of not enough, who keeps you as a slave, impoverished, in lack, dependent on others. Now we have the God of just enough, who is the Lord God who leads Israel out of Egypt. Where does he take them to? Into the wilderness, and they have just enough. But this is the God of miracles, and this is where a lot of people want to live. I need another miracle. God says, no, no, no. I don't want you under the God of not enough. I don't want you under the God of just enough. That's transitionary. I want you to be under the God of more than enough where you go into the land of Canaan and you work and you trust me and there's development and you prosper and you dig copper out of the hills, it says, and you plant crops that are watered from the heavens and you enjoy what the Bible says is abundant prosperity. So not less than enough, not just enough, but more than enough was always God's plan and we need to believe for that. Three things we need to believe for today or three things we need to understand about prosperity today. And I want to look at those three things quickly. Then we're going to read a chunk of scripture. And then I'm going to unpack that chunk of scripture for you with practical application. Are you ready? So let's look at these three things that we need to understand about prosperity very quickly. Number one, it's a clear promise of God. Blessing and prosperity is a clear promise from God from the beginning of the Bible 
right into the New Testament. Psalm 37 and verse 17, for the strength of the wicked will be shattered, but the Lord takes care of the godly. Day by day, the Lord takes care of the innocent and they will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. They will not be disgraced in hard times. Watch this. Even in famine, they will have what? More than enough. Can you see the promise there? So we will not be disgraced when we go through famine. We're in a famine right now with COVID. There's lack, there's difficulty, there's constrained economic times. But we have to hold on to the promise of God so we can rebuild our families and rebuild our world. Our world. There are numerous verses on prosperity in the Bible and blessing in the Bible. I just want to give you a small sampling right here. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. The one we often quote, but I think sometimes it doesn't register. The Lord says, for I know I have the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Deuteronomy 28 to 30, the Lord talks about abundant prosperity in several chapters there. Psalm 1 and verse 3, what, the, the, the godly righteous person, whatever they do, prospers. I, wanna, I want whatever I do to prosper. And it says if you live right and you honor God and you apply His principles, whatever you do, prospers. Psalm 25, are you all with me today? Are you receiving this? Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity and their descendants will inherit the land. I want my, my descendants to inherit something. We want to leave behind a house that's paid off so that when we die one day, they receive extra so that they go to another level, a level of security, a level of being able to give themselves, not impoverished, even though we're in the ministry and not in business. Psalm 28 and verse 25. The greedy stir up conflict, but those who trust in the Lord will prosper. Genesis 39 tells us Joseph was in prison. Listen to this. And, and the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. He went ahead and he lived in the house of his, sorry, this is before he was in prison. So he was in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Why did he prosper? Not because of a system, not because of a party's promises. He prospered because the Lord was with him and the God of blessing and prosperity went with him. Even in slavery, God's plan was to take Joseph forward. Psalm 112 tells us the righteous man, and, I, and, and you need to stay here. Those who fear the Lord, listen to what it says. Wealth and riches are in their houses. Is that bad news today to say that? Or can we still declare that? Or do we secretly feel in a badly governed country guilty of prospering and doing well? No, we need to believe the promises of God. How many of you in the room remember the prayer of Jabez? He prayed, oh Lord, that you might... Bless me, enlarge my territory, that your hand would be upon me and that you'd keep me from harm. And God didn't say, how dare you ask for such abundance? The Bible says, and the Lord granted him what he asked for. And that prayer is in the Bible, and we need to realize that the promises of God declare the God of blessing and the God of prosperity. Are you with me today? The second thing is, when we enjoy blessing and prosperity, we can help others. 
See, God doesn't just want to get money to you. He wants to get money through you. Thank God for the prosperity of the church during these recent hard times. We were able to get trucks together, numerous churches, massive amounts of money were able to be just channeled immediately. Food parcels by the thousands. Why? Because of prosperity. We couldn't sit and say, oh, we wish. If only, you know, let me go home and divide up mine. And, you know, no, we had prosperity so we could give it. And that prosperity did not come from the government. It came from God who blessed working people who trusted him and were diligent and applied his principles. And we can help people. And Jacob, you know, Jacob worked for his father-in-law and his father-in-law was a cheat. But despite that, Jacob did honorably while he worked for him. And Jacob prospered. And when his brother Esau is coming to meet him, he sends a gift of 550 varieties of animals. 530. They just kept coming. They kept coming. And Esau was saying, what are these? And I love what Jacob says to Esau in Genesis 33. Please take this gift I've brought you, for God has been very gracious to me. Watch this. I have more than enough. And because Jacob insisted, Esau finally accepted the gift. Man, when you've got more than enough, you can bless family and you can bless others and no one need be dependent on government. Government can fix the roads, run the water supply, look after security and do what it's supposed to do, not be made the father that everybody wants it to be to look after individuals. We've got to get back to the Bible and not feel guilty about wealth because God promises blessing in order for us to live properly. Number three, the third thing today that we must understand about blessing and prosperity, we can build the house of God. The church is very important and we need the house of God. And you'll remember when Israel left Egypt, the Lord said, you know, when you leave Egypt, I'm going to bless you and the Egyptians are going to give you possessions. The, 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 the God of not enough, Satan had kept him in the wilderness. Now the God of just enough was going to bless them. But guess what? They were going to be given more than enough. Why? Because they needed to build the tabernacle. And when they built the tabernacle, you know what it says in the book of Exodus? On two occasions, the workers actually tell Moses, tell the people to stop bringing because we have more than enough for the building of the tabernacle. Isn't it wonderful when the church has got more than enough? It can meet the needs of its congregation. It can have pastors and leaders and it can have facilities and then it can still have people who run the Rivers Foundation and carry food parcels beyond its borders to people who don't even attend. No agenda. That's what blessing and prosperity does. I thank God for the blessing on Rivers Church, on all our campuses, that we have more than enough. We even partnered with a church recently, a church that's meeting the needs of pastors across South Africa, Pastor Bert Pretorius. Their foundation does a phenomenal work, and we found we were a bit limited with the Rivers Foundation. So we, we looked and we saw God's people giving, so we channeled a half a million dollars, rand, I've been watching too much TV. A half a million rand to Pastor Bert Pretorius's foundation and that was dispersed and he said needs were met and they were rejoicing. They couldn't believe. We didn't sit on it and keep it. We saw need and God's people were blessed and gave. And so we're blessed to be a blessing and the God of prosperity and blessing blesses us and we bless others and we build a house of God. Your giving every time you give online, and this is not my intention today, but your giving online, as Pastor Deb is so uh, carefully taught this morning, 
it, un it unblocks the way and we can pay people. None of our staff have been let go. And you know, when, when you think of the temple or the tabernacle in the Old Testament, you kind of think, well, it's Old Testament. Paul speaks about the New Testament, about the God of more than enough. Quickly here, Philippians 4. And he says here, not that I desire your gifts. You see, we're not trying to get money out of you today. He says, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. He says, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I'm amply supplied. They weren't lacking now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They were a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. God loves it. And then it says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So God's got riches in glory. That's not spiritual glory. That's not a feeling you get in a meeting. That's finance. It's clear that the finance that people had given Paul had more than enough, and he says, now, you have given me more than enough. God's going to give you more than enough. So it's a promise. We can help others, and we can build the house of God and keep it strong because spiritual nourishment is vital in difficult days. Now, I want to read a chunk of Scripture about someone who was industrious, a man by the name of Isaac. We've read this many times, but I felt prompted of the Lord to teach on it. And uh, through his hard work and his industriousness, he prospers. Now, Isaac is interesting. He was the, the loved son of Abraham, and the Bible kind of alludes to this as we go through into the New Testament. I don't have time today, but he's the loved son of Abraham. He's a picture of Jesus, actually, God's only son that was sacrificed on the altar, the, the ram that was offered up for our sins. And then his bride, her name is Rebecca. And guess what? She was a hard worker. When the servant went to look for Rebecca to marry her to Isaac, the chosen son, she found, he found someone who worked hard, poured out water for camels. And th that's the match, the industrious church married to the industrious son of God. And we see a picture of Isaac in the Old Testament when he went through hard times. And it's a chunk of text, but it'll speak to working people and business people. And I want to inspire you today with what to do during these difficult times. Are you ready? Let's read from Genesis chapter 26. And uh, the Bible says we must give attention to the public reading of Scripture. We're going to do that right now. And it says, now there was a famine in the land. A time of lack, a setback time, a time of COVID if you like. Besides the previous famine in Abraham's time. So that tells me hard times come. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. And the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt. In other words, don't look to the world for your solutions. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Watch this word. Stay in the land for a while and I will be with you and bless you. Let's just stop there. Stay connected to church. Don't unplug don't, don't abandon God because there's a famine. There was a famine before. Hard times will always come, but God is there. And it goes on to say, Isaac planted crops. He obeyed God in that land. And the same here reaped a hundredfold. Why? Because the Lord blessed him. Now, some people have taught this, that Isaac sowed into church. It doesn't say that. It says he kept working as a working person regardless of the times and he didn't give up hope and get into despair. He went to work, he went to work, he kept at it and he trusted that finally the breakthrough would come and that's what we all have to do. We can't withdraw, we can't look for, for the government to help us. 
We have to be the people who make wealth because the Lord is with us and the Lord will bless us. I love what it says. The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy and he became part of the 1%. Oh, it doesn't say that. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. I want you to remember that. So all the wells that his father's servants dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. People hate it when you prosper. They'll try and block you. Notice that. And then it says, uh, then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us because you have become too powerful for us. That's what money does, gives you power. So Isaac moved away from there and he camped in the valley of Gerar where he settled. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names his father had given them. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herders of Gerar quarreled with those of Isaac and they said, the water is ours. You know what the Philistines want to do? They want to take your money that you've worked hard for and make it theirs and then justify it. That's Philistine thinking, not people of God thinking. People of God share willingly. They're not forced to share. It goes on to say, then he dug another well. And they quarreled over that one. And he named it Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well. And no one quarreled over it. And he named it Rehoboth, saying, now the Lord has given us room and we will flourish in the land. Can you see how he kept going? From there he went to Beersheba. That night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid. I am with you. I will bless you and I will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Notice how God had already blessed him and promised to bless him some more. He didn't say, oh Lord, don't bless me anymore. The Philistines are going to envy me. And Lord, if I get any more criticism, I'm going to feel so guilty. Please just don't let it happen. He received it. Because he understood the power of it and what he could do with it. And how he could be a blessing and how he could be self-sufficient, not dependent on others. Isn't that our goal? That we depend on God and not on others. And uh, we don't have time, but the story goes on to say that he was blessed of the Lord. People noticed it and he, he built an altar and he worshipped God. And uh, they wanted to make an agreement later with him because they saw that the Lord was with him. The blessing of his work was recognized as the hand of God. And this passage should encourage us to believe for material blessing. Think of it like this. The Philistines in today's world are trying to rewrite history and tell you you don't deserve your blessing. They're doing it in America. No, we need to continue to look to the Old Testament and believe the God of blessing and prosperity and be self-sufficient, help our families, and be contributors to our church and to our country. Let's look at four things that come out of this passage today in the time that we have left. Have you, are you getting something out of this today? Can you see whenever you work for something, someone else always wants it? The Philistines wanted it. That's why we have crime. Crime doesn't come from poverty. Crime comes from envy. That's why rich people commit crime. It's not just poor people who commit crime. No, rich people. You saw Steinhoff recently in the news. It's rich people. Look at Wall Street. It's big companies that stole. It's crime comes from envy, doesn't come from poverty. Poverty is a way of thinking and it's lack, but it's not the cause of crime. Number four, Paul. Sorry. Four things. Let's look at. Are you ready? I'm enjoying myself today. It's one week I haven't preached. Now I'm ready to go. And I'm excited about God, what God wants to do for you. 
So number one, let's learn from Isaac here four things. Believe and find ways to prosper amidst opposition. You've got to find ways to prosper even though there's opposition to blessing and prosperity. Negative people, negative comments, negative sentiment on social media, bad attitudes. Isaac was not put off by anything. He stays plugged into the place that God assigns him and you need to stay plugged into the house of God, into the things of God, and you need to keep looking for ways. And he builds an altar, he serves God, and then he finds ways. And, and I wanna just tell you, the land of Gerar was a very, very dry place. In the best of times, the rainfall wasn't good and the soil wasn't great. And if in the land of Gerar you had ideal times, you'd get a 60% healed. But Isaac, in a time of famine, carries on past opposition, holds on to God, stays plugged into God, and sees a hundredfold return. I believe that for our business people, that God will bless you as you keep working, that you'll get the breakthrough. You may have been in lean times. Keep at it. Keep going. Don't listen to the negativity. Believe God for your family and keep sowing and putting work in and effort. Get up early. Give your best and say, Lord, I'm trusting you for blessing and prosperity. Despite the famine times of COVID, Lord, you can do it for me and my family. And I really believe in a bad economy like Isaac, we can prosper because we put the work in. Isaac put the work in and he kept finding ways to prosper. Daniel Lappin is a wonderful man. He's written a number of very good books. He's a rabbi. And he wrote a book called Business Secrets from the Bible. Isn't that great? And he talks about people in the book who were successful. And the reason they were successful is because they kept trying to find ways to prosper. When they didn't prosper in one area, they prospered in another. How many of you heard of Ben and Jerry's ice cream? Huge corporation. But you know Ben and Jerry's, they started out making bagels. And they weren't successful. So they switched to ice cream. But here's how they switched to ice cream. They did a correspondence course in ice cream making. And one of them, I can't remember Ben or Jerry, but one of them, one of them doesn't, it doesn't taste things like other people do. They need texture. That's why they added all those bits into it. And so they learned from the correspondence schools and from the experience of one man to make a multi-billion company that's been going for years and years, makes millions of dollars, literally trillions of rand, but they didn't always win. They started and then failed. Isn't that amazing? Mr. Toyota. Remember him? The founder of Toyota. He made machinery for weaving cloth because he thought after World War II that the demand for fabric would increase, but all his machines didn't work. Well, he dismantled them, took the parts apart, and gathered other parts from other machines and founded the Toyota company. And today, it's a multi-billion corporation. Wrigley's Chewing Gum. Who's chewed chewing gum until your gums are sore and there's no more flavor? I hate chewing gum because I forget to spit it out. You chew it and chew it until there's an ache. Wrigley's. He founded that company. But before he did that, he sold baking soda. And then he stumbled on this idea one day on a plane. He was flying. He was thinking, thinking, thinking. And he put those components together. And chewing gum has been a huge seller. The Wrigley's company is one of the biggest in the world. One has to keep going and keep trying. If one idea doesn't work, it doesn't mean every idea won't work. And Isaac adapted. He was not lazy. He got on with the job and, uh, and he, he blessed. 
uh, God blessed him and he kept working and we need to do the same. And you know, God needs you to create wealth. A lot of people imagine that if they tithe and then they wait, God's going to bless them. No, no, you tithe, you give offerings, but you work and you find ideas and you've got to help God. Do you remember, let me, let me explain this to you. I'm sure many of the room or leaders will remember this. Rebecca, Rebecca was Isaac's wife, right? Uh, sorry, let me, let me backtrack. Jacob's wife. What was Jacob's wife's name? Let me tell you. Now, now, now let me get it right. Let me get it right. Let me get it right. I, I, I'm losing track. I've just been studying Genesis, and I, I think I've got too much information in my head. But Isaac and Jacob got together, didn't they? Uh, sorry. Isaac and Rebekah got together. And they had two children, Jacob and Esau. That's it. So Isaac and Rebekah have Jacob and Esau. And what does the Lord do? He doesn't reveal himself to, 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 um, uh, to, to Isaac. He reveals himself to Rebekah. And he says, the children in your womb who are struggling and fighting, the older will serve the younger. So she doesn't say, oh, well, it, the fate is in the stars. She goes and helps the younger, by putting fur on him. And God doesn't curse her and speak to her and say, what are you doing? No, she helps the Lord. And you know, we don't deceive in business, but we've got to help fulfill what we know to be the will of God. And when you know what God's will is, you help make it happen. And Rebecca actually helped to make it happen by knowing what God's will is. And that's what Isaac did. A distraction I need to carry on. Number two, are you being helped today? Oh, I love online church. Believe and find ways to rise above adverse circumstances. We've got to find ways to rise above the adversity of COVID. And we're in difficult circumstances. We can't choose our circumstances, but we can trust God to bless us in the circumstances. Joseph found himself in adverse circumstances, banished to Egypt, but he found ways to rise above them by giving his Best. Can I just remind business people, business is not about getting money, it's about serving people. Don't think about getting money, think about serving people. That's what Joseph did in Potiphar's house, that's what Joseph did in prison, and that's what Joseph did when he interpreted the dream, and that's why Pharaoh put him in charge. And you have to find ways to rise above circumstances so that God can promote you and you can be blessed. And when you face adverse circumstances, lean on God. Say, God, speak to me. Show me things that I can do, even though I'm in recession, even though I don't have much. Give me clues. I give myself to you, Lord. I commit to work. And Isaac did that, and God blessed him. You know, I was reading about a man called A.H. Grange, sir. And uh, he was sitting in the lobby of a hotel in Omaha. And the reason he was in the hotel lobby is because he got kicked out of his room. He couldn't pay the rent. And so the, the, they came and they said, we're not giving you your clothing or your luggage. We're going to kick you out and you're going to sit in the lobby. And when you've got the money, then you can pay the rent. We'll give your luggage to you and then you can go. As he sat there in the lobby on this snowy, cold day, he didn't know what to do. had five cents in his pocket. We're talking about the beginning of the 20th century. And uh, he looked out trying to see into the street and wondering what he could do. He noticed the windows were misted up. And he remembered what a German chemist had once said to him. The answer to misted up windows is glycerine, glycerine soap. 
He took the five cents immediately and he went outside, went to a drugstore there, a chemist, bought a bar of glycerine soap for five cents and cut it up into 20 pieces. Then he went to the garages, the petrol stations, and he knocked on the windows of people's cars and he said, is your window steaming up? Yeah. And within the, by the end of the day, it made over $300. He then realized, okay, this is brilliant. He paid the rent, got his clothing back. Then he started buying glycerine soap, cutting up and putting it in tinfoil and making it fancy. Within three months, he had in that time $1,000. That's like a 100,000 rand today. And today that business is still running, even though he's dead. And it came from an idea in adverse circumstances. You see, you can make money if you're willing, but if you wait, if you keep waiting, it's not going to happen. And those around you envy you and oppose you will put you off and make you feel guilty. No, you need to believe for the prosperity of God. Number three, believe and work for prosperity despite raging envy. You notice, I didn't say despite envy. I said despite raging envy. You know, envy and covetousness are the same. It's the 10th commandment. Coveting and envy are similar. They're almost identical. It's wanting what someone else has got and feeling angry towards them. Let me just look at the, the, the proper definition here. It's feeling of discontent, feelings of discontent or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions or life. How many of you know people feel like that today? And we've got to keep pressing on. It's a big problem in, in the world today. It's a big problem in America. People who do well are envied and then they, like the Philistines, they want to pull you down. No, you've got to believe for prosperity despite envy. I love what this uh, author Lawrence Reed said in a book called Was Jesus a Socialist? He said, Jesus never endorsed the forced re uh, redistribution of wealth. That idea is rooted in envy. Isn't that the truth? People envy, then they try and make it look like they're righteous. No, no, no. Envy is desiring what someone else has, and you don't want to work for it, and then you say they got it dishonestly. No, if people work hard, they shouldn't feel guilty, and they should achieve. And it's funny how, have you noticed how in, in the world, politicians are always attacking people who own companies, rich people, especially big corporations. They are considered to have got that money ev through evil means. Meanwhile, they work. But guess what? Sports people and celebrities, you never hear politicians speaking about them. Why? That's double standards. Because they earn ungodly amounts of money, literally, for not doing much. You see, it's double standards. And we've got to trust God despite envy. Envy is in the Bible from beginning to end. You remember when Jacob went to work for Laban? Laban changed his wages. Laban was a bad boss. And Jacob just kept working. He worked seven years and then he gave him another woman in the dark. The Bible says, and he married Leah. And he woke up in the morning and the Bible says, and there was Leah. Talk about unfair. And then he works another seven years for Rachel. And guess what? You read the Bible in Genesis and it says this. And Jacob's sons said that, uh, sorry, Laban's sons said that Jacob had got all his wealth by taking from their father. It's the exact opposite of what he's done. But envy does that. It can't handle your prosperity, so it attacks it as ungodly. You've got to press through that as a Christian and against Christian attacks as well. Because God wants you to be self-sufficient. He wants you to be blessed so you can be a blessing to your country and to your family and to your church. Number four, I need to go quick. And I managed to get through this. Jesus' name. Never blame others for your lack. 
Trust God for your blessing. You notice Isaac never, never attacks the Philistines. He never blames them for the lack. He just presses on and keeps on trusting God to make himself prosperous. And we need to do exactly the same. And uh, it's terrible how in today's world that when you make money or you progress, they use the saying, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Well, the rich get richer because they know how to make money. The poor get poorer because they only know how to spend money. And with all, with all love and respect for the poor, we help the poor a lot at Rivers Church. Those of you part of Rivers will know that. It's a certain way of thinking that makes you prosper and move forward. The late author and economist Edward Laziar said this. He said, the term income equality is a bit misleading because it suggests in a somewhat pejorative way that the rich are getting richer at the expense of the poor. See, people say, yeah, the rich keep getting richer and the poor keep getting poorer, as though you're making money on the backs of the poor. And this is what people say, the system is against me. No, it's not. Life is against us all. Not the system. The God of more than enough wants to rise you above life and bless you despite and so you mustn't be put off by envy. Don't blame anybody for your lack. Don't blame anybody for COVID. Just keep trusting and working hard and sowing and trusting God to give you breakthrough. Israel Moore, Avia Moore, is an author and a speaker. And I love what he says here. He says, you put yourself in a tight corner of failure if you think it's only the rich getting richer while the poor are getting poorer. No. Something good can come out from you, no matter who you are, what you have done, or where you have been to. See, our thinking must change. We must believe that God can prosper us because he's the God of blessing and prosperity. And we need to believe that when we work and we do something, God acts on that. You, you remember in the parable of the talents, the rich got richer. Isn't that true? Matthew chapter 25, the man with five made five more. The man with two made two more. The rich got richer. But the guy with one, even what he had was taken away from him. You say, you see, the poor get poorer. Yes, the poor get poorer because they don't use what they have. You've got to use the little you've got industriously in a time of famine and keep saving and working and finding ways despite the challenges to prosper and the God of prosperity will bless you. I remember years ago reading this story, and I thought it quite funny, and it's come up again lately. The, the, the man who was a multi-billionaire, Rothschild, you all remember Rothschild? And um, he was once approached by a man who said to him, you know, it's disgusting that you can have so much wealth and, and, and such abundant riches while other people have absolutely nothing. And I hear Christians saying that about rich people lately. I hear them saying that and, and, and that he built a business. He never stole it. He didn't rob a bank. He built up a business over many years. So Rothschild said, uh, you're right. Let's share it out. So he called his secretary. And he said to his secretary, come here. Tell me what is the world population. She told him. And he said, okay. And tell me what, I, what I'm worth. And, and she told him what he was with, and he sat there uh, with a piece of paper and a pen. He said to the guy, just wait, just wait, just wait. And he did a whole calculator. Those are the days without calculators, and he didn't. And then he said to his secretary, give the man three cents because that's his share of my wealth. You see, it never works when you spread out money. You have to earn it and create it. 
Even the guy who was involved in aid, Bono, how many of you remember Bono? He said, entrepreneurial capitalism takes more people out of poverty than aid. This is what experience has shown us. We've got to trust the God of blessing and prosperity and do our best in times of difficulty and expect to prosper. Can you say amen? And I'm not teaching this so I can get money from you. God wants to get money to you. Then he wants to get it through you into your life and into your family, into the house of God and into the country because prosperous people build a prosperous nation. You know, I want to close today by telling you a story here, and I hope you've received something today. I've, I've really enjoyed preaching, and I felt that spontaneity is coming back. And um, I want to tell you a story that I read in a book uh, a couple of months ago. It's a book by Mark Batterson called Win the Day. And uh, he tells the story in the book of John D. Rockefeller, one of the richest men ever to have lived, and he relates the story here, and many biographers have told the story, but it says in, in August, notice that August, 1855, Rockefeller left his boarding house at eight o'clock in the morning and went door to door to try and get a job until the close of business. He came up empty, but he kept at it, and he did this for six days a week for six weeks. On September the 26th, this was August, now in September the 26th, six weeks later, 16-year-old John D. Rockefeller walked into a Cleveland company, Hewitt and & Tuttle, and got a job as an assistant bookkeeper. It was his first job, and he made 50 cents a day, and he loved every minute of it. For the rest of his life, listen to this, Rockefeller observed September the 26th as a personal holiday, and he called it Job Day. Today we have Workers' Day, but he called it Job Day. Considering it more significant than his birthday, all my future seemed to hinge on that day. From that time on, Rockefeller had two great ambitions. He wanted to live to 100, and he wanted to make $100,000 in his life. That was a lot of money at that time. Well, he died on his 97th birthday, but by the time he died, he was worth $340 billion. I meant to ask Sean before the meeting what that was in Rand. Must be some trillions. Five trillion? Gosh, who knows? But $340 billion. That's a squillion Rand. <laughs> Rockefeller ranks as the wealthiest American of all time. And his, uh, his, you know, his, his benevolence, he gave $500 million to science and education but he also tithed 10% of his earnings to church from the very beginning. One of Rockefeller's biographers said this, one is tempted to say that his real life began on that day, that he was born again in business as he would be born again in the Erie Street Baptist Mission Church. Christians that have prospered today are being turned into villains and called robber barons. These people have made money that have helped education and medicine in America to a level that's almost unthinkable. But today they're being pulled down. You know what I think? I think it's demonic. Because if the devil can keep us all in miserable, blaming poverty, across the world this is happening. He can reduce us through COVID to misery and impoverishment. We need to believe the God of blessing and prosperity. Even those of you in the room who are in ministry, Trust the God of blessing and prosperity, that as you serve in the ministry, that God will make, uh, uh, make you prosperous and bless you so that you can meet your, your needs 
and be a blessing, not just spiritually, but also materially to your family. I've seen him do that for me. I've seen him do it for so many others who didn't chase it, but just trusted him. But here's the thing. Rockefeller was born again when he understood job, work. And Rockefeller was born again when he understood, I need to rely on God and walk with God. And not only that, tithe to God. We need two kinds of born again. A new thinking about work and business and a new appreciation. And then we need new thinking about God's kingdom. You know, if you're watching me today as a Christian, shake off guilt, shake off negativity, shake off envy, and go out there and sow and work and shun all the negativity and envy and find ways to prosper despite the circumstances, despite the obstacles. And don't blame anybody. Don't blame the system. Trust God. And like Isaac, let's prosper and let's bless, be blessed and be a blessing. If today you don't know the Lord and you've watched me this morning on this uh, uh, live stream, you don't know Jesus. You know what? Rockefeller wasn't just born again in business. He was born again as a Christian. And when you get born again, you understand who God is and what God wants to do. And you don't live by the systems of the world, the culture and its thinking and its political ideologies that always fail. You live by God's principles and you rise above the world and you enjoy blessing. But today you need Jesus in your life because you have sin. And sin is what causes envy. Sin is what causes crime. Sin is what causes a country to be plunged into riots and upheaval. It's sin. And we need to be forgiven our sin and we need to walk in righteousness. And we can only do that when we invite Jesus Christ into our lives and make him Lord of our lives. Not just go to church, but make him Lord. His way, his word, his authority changes countries, changes individuals. If you've never done that, maybe you'd want to pray with me today and be born again and then God and work with a new born again attitude to both life and to business. If that's you today, won't you pray with me and let's join them in the room. Come, let's lead them in a prayer today. Pray after us in the room today. Thank you, Father, for the Lord Jesus who came to live and to die for all our sins. We believe in him today. Put our trust in him today and call upon him today to save us. Lord Jesus, receive me, save me, forgive me, and cleanse me. I make you Lord of my life and commit to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.